Blog Talk Radio. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the host and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. is January Jones. She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, The 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware. Because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast. I'm January Jones. And I'm now promoting myself as the Glitter Granny. And this glitter hat today is silver. It's a different hat I'm wearing because today I'm wearing my grandmother hat. The podcast will be a little different format today in a different genre. We're calling it a conversation, 18 to 80, Mia to more more. As to the term more more, that is a Norwegian term for mother's mother. And in Norwegian families, that's what grandma is called, mormor. And that, of course, means she's the most important person in the family. (laughs) Today, my 18-year-old high school senior granddaughter will be one asking all the questions. And I will hopefully be the one with the answers. That being said, let me introduce you to my granddaughter, Mia Jan. She is a senior at Oak Park High School in Agora, California. She is a ballet dancer and a dance team member, and she is getting ready to go to college. She is one of my seven grandchildren, and she is the oldest twin. She's one minute older than her brother. (laughs) Today, Mia will be the young, beautiful one with all of the questions, and then more and more will hopefully be the wonderful, wise one with some of the answers. Now, let me welcome Mia. And uh, Mia, tell us, say hello to our fans. Yeah, here she is. Hi, everyone. I'm Mia. I mean, I'm obviously Mormor's granddaughter, and Mm -hmm. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. And uh, tell us a little bit about how this uh, interview assignment came about before we start. Well, um, I'm a senior in high school, and um, I'm in my English honors class, and in that class, we have an assignment, um, and our whole unit that we're learning about is uh, from the feminist perspective, 
And um, my assignment was to um, interview a woman over 60 that um, has been in the 20th century. And um, yeah, yeah, of course I chose you. Yeah, I'm, I certainly qualify. Mia's 18 <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be 80 this year. So we have a 62 year difference in our ages <laughs> and our experiences. Totally. Start, Mia, what's your first question for me today? All right. Well, my first question is, um, how has the presence of women in your life during childhood influenced the way you express your femininity? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was very lucky. I had two incredible grandmothers. Uh, boy, I called them grandma. We didn't call them more more then. <laughs> One was my father's mother. She was a very gentle, kind, tender woman. She was the sweetest person in my life. And my other grandma was my mother's mother. And she was a rough, tough gal. She was very independent. She was quite successful. And uh, interestingly, both of my role models were divorced women. And in that time, that was definitely unheard of. So they were actually quite feminist before their time. They didn't have men in their life. And guess what? I don't think they needed them. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, do you think that their differing personalities helped you become the person that you are today? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. My uh, one grandma was the soft, gentle one, and she, uh, one of my favorite memories was I was a child. Uh, I lived with both my grandmothers. They lived with us until I was 12 at different times. So I literally had contact with a grandmother every day of my life until I turned 12. And one was the gentle, kind one, and one was the just uh, strong, defiant one. And uh, both of them, it was a nice balance to see both of them in action. I was really lucky. Totally. Having women like that in your life, it would it would be an amazing thing. And I, luckily for me, I have women like that in my life, like you, my mom, and I'm just really lucky. Um, my next question for you is, um, overall, what was your happiest memory during your childhood? You know, I, I have a lot of happy memories, but when I look back at and read this question, I could remember as a small little girl, uh, my gentle grandma lived up above us, and in the afternoons, I would go up to her, and uh, we'd get on her bed, and we'd eat Oreo cookies and get ready for our nap together. And she was always very religious. She was praying with her rosary. So she was the first person who cuddled me and was intimately hugging me, and she taught me how to pray, which was quite amazing. So many times I would be up there with her and I'd fall asleep and everyone would be looking for me in the neighborhood. They didn't know where I was. Well, guess I was. We called her Amy. I was up there sleeping in her bed. That's my best memory. Oh, I, I bet that brought you so much comfort in your life. Whenever you needed help, you always had that, that woman in your life to just support you and be there for you and, that's amazing that you learned more about religion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she was very religious. Uh, she she went to mass every day. Uh, she was every quite, day. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was very religious. My my other uh, grandma, not so much. <laughs> not so much. So that was, that was more like a polar opposites type of thing? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's everyone's unique and yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a wonderful, uh, they both were wonderful. I, I have to say they were tremendous influence on me. Definitely. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, for my next question, I wanted to ask you, can you explain your experience in school as a woman? And did you ever feel held back by society's expectations? <clears throat> okay, that's two questions. Um, school. School yes. for me was the best thing to ever happen in my life. Uh, my parents, uh, as you know, were quite dysfunctional. So my, from my earliest age, school was my escape. I couldn't wait to go to school. I loved school. I loved the nuns. I adored them. They were all sweet, quiet, gentle. Uh, school was my escape hatch. And uh, I didn't feel oppressed by society. Uh, also, I went to an all-girl Catholic high school. And I had such dear, dear friends that I still cherish today. And I know you have so many close friends, too. Friends are very important. And having that Catholic all-girl education gave me a lot of confidence. And it gave all of us confidence because we were in a school where boys didn't exist. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so we were the student council, we were the class president, we were doing all the things that ordinarily at that time boys would have been doing. So all of the girls who came out of that experience, uh, they were very uh, confident and sure of themselves. And when I look back and I have such friendships with so many of them now through Facebook, they're all doing really well. And we all look back on that as a wonderful time in our lives. Wow, I, I never thought about it from that perspective. I mean, that must have been really empowering for you to have all these amazing friendships and women around you that could support you in such a way. And the nuns, too. I bet they acted some sort of like mother figures, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, they taught us a lot. Uh, they, it was so interesting. There were 160 girls in my class, and the nuns were brilliant recruiters because uh, one third of the girls in my class, when we graduated at 18, one third of them went into the convent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Talk about recruiters. That's a lot. Yeah. And of course, now uh, a lot of them left through the years. And some of them, though, are still very active as sisters, still serving serving God and serving their community. Yeah. It was wonderful. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, my next question is, um, I already know that um, you grew up in Michigan. Um, was there any reason why you felt the need to move out or, or leave or explore different, different areas in the U.S. or outside? Well, uh, you know, as you know, my family was dysfunctional. And uh, I was uh, 18. I went to college for two years. And then I was ready to escape. I was ready to go on my own. I was ready to spread my wings. And I was very fortunate. I applied to several airlines and I was accepted. And I chose to go with Eastern Airlines. So I was 
19, almost, and off I went uh, to Miami, Florida, where we had our training school for eight weeks. And I started this career uh, there again. I had tremendous girlfriends, and I'm still in touch with them. Uh, we had quite an experience. We were just turning 20, and off we were sent to New York City. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we, I'm 18, so, like, <laughs> imagining myself doing that at 19 in one year is, like, incredible. Crazy. I mean, like, that must have been a, such a crazy, like, new experience for you to do that. And it was a, a real status uh, thing, because then when we were growing up, you had three choices. You were either going to get married, right. uh, become a nun, teacher, or become a nurse. So I really uh, broke the mold when I went off and became uh, a stewardess. We were called stewardesses then. And it was a very select group. I was very lucky to have that opportunity. And, oh, my gosh, living in New York City, what an experience. <laughs> my one roommate was from Texas. I was from Michigan. And the other one was from Canada. And, you know, I see that uh, show, Sex in the, in the City, with the right. <laughs> And we were like that. <laughs> wide-eyed and just uh, in wonder of everything. And speaking of in wonder, I want to share with everyone one of my books, Thou Shalt Not Wine, the 11th Commandment. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th Commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Wine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Wine at Amazon.com. Welcome back to the show today with my special guest, my granddaughter, Mia Jan. And Mia is definitely not a whiner because she's been raised to become a winner. Absolutely. <laughs> and we're having this incredible conversation. I'm calling it eight to 18 to 80. And in between, 62 years in between. Also, I want to mention that all of my books are at Amazon and now they're all in Audible. So you can listen to them while you're driving around. Okay, Mia, what's your next question for me today, dear? All right. Well, my next question is, were there any job opportunities or goals you had after college? And were you able to achieve these goals? Well, after college, I, as I told you earlier, I went off to have my adventure flying uh, as a stewardess. In those days, uh, you couldn't get married and become a stewardess. So then when I met your grandpa, Dave, I had to quit flying and we were married. 
you know, sadly, I became a widow at 25. Your grandpa was a test pilot uh, for the Navy during Vietnam, and he died flying a helicopter. So there, my future was laid out for me. I was a widow. I was 25 years old. I had two babies. Uh, one was three years old, and the other one, your mom, she was actually only six weeks old when Dave was killed. So my big goal at that point, quite frankly, was to survive. Luckily, I was well provided for. I didn't have to go out and get a job. And then um, soon after, I met Baba, your grandpa. And of course, everything became much easier for me at that point in life. Uh, and of course, as you know, we've been married 52 years and happily, happily married. I recommend it highly. <laughs> I'm just, that's, that's such an amazing story. I mean, um, I've definitely heard it from other people and from you before. And I just, um, hearing that story makes me so happy for you more and more. Oh, yeah, I feel very blessed. You know, it was a very tragic time, but I recovered and went on to have such a fabulous life and fabulous children and grandchildren. But interestingly enough, I always worked outside of the home. I always had jobs. Uh, one time, three of my two of my girlfriends and I, we created a consignment store just so we would have something to do. Uh, many years ago, and we had a restaurant, and as you know, we owned a tennis club that I managed for 18 years. Uh, I enjoyed. I liked working. Uh, I saw, I had an example, my own mother, she worked. Uh, we were women who liked to work, and uh, we were very good at it. And uh, finding something you like to do is very important in life. I agree, I agree. And um when you opened the tennis club, it's like, it was like a domino effect. I mean, my mom played tennis and now I play tennis and I just think that's amazing. Yeah. And now your mom is working at a tennis club and yeah, yeah and she's become such a tremendous player and she enjoys that. So I think it's kind of in our DNA. Uh, we were kind of raised to be people pleasers and uh, serving other people and being friendly. Uh, having that smile and welcoming people into the tennis club was one of the greatest uh, joys of my life. They, we, we did it for 18 years, and uh, I was the manager, and so I, we were, it was a 24, well, it was seven day a week. Seemed like it was 24 hours. <laughs> and I loved every minute of it. And the people in the club, they became like our extended family. And, of course, we're so close to so many of them. And through the years, I, I recall when people would pass, we would go to their service. And somehow they had always mentioned their connection uh, to the Thousand Oaks Racquet Club and their uh, community of friends there. And that was a nice feeling to hear how important our club became to them during their lives. It definitely made an impact in the community and um, you really got to know so many people. So oh, yeah. you also got so much joy out of that. So, yeah. 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 It was uh, a wonderful uh, opportunity and, uh, and I'm thrilled that your mom is doing the same sort of thing and enjoying it as much as I did. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, my next question I have for you are clothes 
are obviously important to your style and identity. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Look at the time. Has your perspective on what you wear changed? Okay, clothes have always been very important to me, and I'll tell you how it began. When I was just a wee little thing, not even maybe four or five years old, I used to watch my mother's mother, my more more, so to speak. Right. She was very successful and very clothes conscious. And she always had the finest things. And her big event, of course, every week was going to Sunday Mass. And, of course, for her, going to church was like a fashion show. <laughs> and so, so, so I was watching this as a child, and, boy, it was a big deal. Everything would match, her shoes, her bags, her hat, her whole thing. She was very cute. Her favorite color was pink. And she always tried to wear pink or that kind of uh, uh, hue. It was so interesting that even in her home, her home, she had all pink furniture. <laughs> yeah. All of her furniture was incredible. And she had it all covered with this real thick, plas- clear plastic. <laughs> and so we'd go to visit her. And in the summer, it was hot, hotter than hell. Oh, and in wow. the winter, the plastic was so cold, you'd slide off it. And of course, she never took the plastic off because she never wanted the furniture to be soiled or to have anyone ruin it. So we never really got to sit on it. And, uh, and then uh, I was uh, 18 when she passed. And yes. it was interesting at her funeral they had a pink coffin with a pink uh, interior, all pink satin, and she was all dressed in pink, and all the flowers that were pink. I mean, I could guess that. Yeah, yeah. So my perspective on clothes has never changed uh, from watching her. Uh, Then and now, I love clothes. I love hats. I love jewelry. I especially, as you know, love shoes. And I still like dressing up and uh, going out. So I think that's part of our DNA, dear. Oh, totally. <laughs> helps you express yourself. And um, knowing that about your grandma, it sounds like she was living in like a Barbie dream house or something. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, all the walls were pink. The furniture was pink. <laughs> yeah, she was pre-Barbie. <laughs> that's where you get your amazing style from. I was like... Yeah. Who would be that influence in your life? And now that I know, I'm like, yeah. totally. And she was such an influence uh, for me. I was, uh, of her grandchildren, I was the only girl. Oh. And so that was pretty important position in that family. When my mom went to the hospital to have me, she had looked at her mother and she said, Mama, I'm going to bring you back a girl. And my grandma stood there and shook her head, and she said, our family is not that lucky. Well, I showed up. (laughs) You're the lucky one. Yeah, and all the little boy cousins, they all had to just, because I was a girl, I was special. And uh, grandma, I had a very high status from the day I was born, which, you know, of course, contributed to my self-confidence and self-esteem. Amazing. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in interesting, in that time, boys were preferred. 
families were always so excited about to have a son, a namesake. Mm -hmm. Boys were uh, very considered the best uh, way to go. And then I showed up and I was an exception to the rule. And uh, I was lucky. I was very lucky. Did not I did not know any of that. Like I all this information that I'm getting, it's just just great. Oh good. Well I'm glad we're having this chance to visit. And also this is a chance for me to tell our listeners about uh my Kennedy books. Do you realize that this year will be sixty years since the assassination of John Kennedy and people are still asking who killed Kennedy. Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before, but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack. The Tragic Love Triangle, connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Ari was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world, with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Ari needed class, and Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and Audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones. Welcome back with my amazing granddaughter, Mia Jan Gabby, and we're having a conversation. Mia to more, more 18 to 80, and here, here's how it goes. <laughs> great, great, great. Okay, um, my next question I have for you is more of a broad question, so you can answer any way that you want. Um, <laughs> do you believe in the idea that you shouldn't care about what others think? Wow. Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, caring about what others think when you're young, it it just goes with the territory. Uh, you're unsure. You want to be popular. You want to have friends. And you know, I think a big thing is you want to fit in and feel comfortable in your skin. However, as you grow older, things change, and when you are reaching eighty. Uh, I just, as far as what others think, not so much. Right now, all I really care about, uh, what the people I love, what they think, uh, and my closest friends, the people who are honest with you, those are the ones you want their opinion about things. But as for other people, after you've been around 80 years, not so much. Wow. I mean, from the perspective of an 18-year-old, it's like sometimes you feel so much pressure to conform and what you said fit in. So I just, um, mm-hmm. knowing that you have that um, ability to just um, let it go and not care as much is just um, helpful for me, you know, because I 
um, I do feel a lot of pressure sometimes. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and this takes time. This isn't something that happens overnight. I think it's as you gradually go through different stages of life, you know, as I talk about wearing different hats, you know, I was uh, started off as a child, a grandchild, a friend. Uh, then I became a young mother and grandmother. And so you put on different hats throughout your life and you try them on to see how they fit and how things are going. And that's one of the nice things about getting to be older <laughs> is you can be a little more objective. And, you know, you just have to take things as they come and uh, pretty much try to go with the flow and try to just uh, keep your head above water and try to have fun. (laughs) Laughter is so important. And I know you have that gift because when you were here doing ballet this summer with your friends, uh, the four of you were so sweet and we adored having all of you with us. And the laughter was just ongoing. You guys were just having a blast. And it was just so much fun to be on the peripheral watching it all. <laughs> oh, thank you, Momar. I, um, my friends, what I have right now, I mean, they, I could not care less about what they think because they just, I'm so close with them and um, I trust them so much. So um, having those people in your life, it just, it just has helped me a lot be more myself. Yeah, yeah, and and it's so important to have these uh, friends, and they can be women friends and men friends. You don't have to just limit it to one sex. And and we always, when I was younger, my girlfriends and I, when we were married, we'd always joke with each other that if one of us went out and uh, had a bad day and just happened to kill our husband, the others would, <laughs> the others would help us uh, come over and bury his body and hide all the clues. So those are the kind of friends that you can uh, cherish forever. <laughs> the ones that would do anything for you. And, yeah, you can, those are the ones you call at three in the morning and they've got your back. Yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, my next question is, um, I know that you've lived through many historic moments for women, such as Sally Ride becoming the first American woman in space, big mm-hmm. moment, um, and the FDA approving the first commercially produced birth control pill. Oh, wow. Was there any specific moment like this that struck you as a woman? Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, for, for me and my friends, the pill. The pill was a game changer. It came uh, about just as I was starting my family for a woman. Uh, it gave us control of our body for the first time in history. We were able to uh, control our desire to have a family when, how, where, and how. This was a, something that had never been, happened before in history. It gave women of my generation just an amazing uh, approach to life. We had more freedom to make decisions and more choices. It was a big thing, and which is why I'm terribly sad to see that people are trying to uh, eliminate this opportunity for the people who have birth control or the pill. The pill was revolutionary beyond words. For you, it must have been a total, like, freeing thing to have in your life because, like, 
um, I've always known that I would be able to have that. I mean, I live in California and I just, um, Mm -hmm. there was, there was no moment in time where, where I had to really worry about that yet. But, um, for you, I I just bet that changed so much for you, you know? Yeah. And, and I didn't even realize as it was happening because there it was, and we had it and we kind of just took this assumption that that was a part of our life. But now when I look back, at what uh, my mother and her generation went through and people who had unwanted pregnancies where they couldn't uh, for health reasons or financial reasons raise that many children. And of course, well, I was raised, you know, in the Catholic church where they didn't have birth control. It was considered a sin. And of course, my father's uh, mother had six children, one after another, year after year after year. And you can imagine what that does to a woman physically and mentally. Yeah. So much. It would, it would be so much. I mean, six children, that's just one example of like what women were going through before the pill. And um, yeah. Yeah. Knowing that that you know so much about that. It's, it's great to know that information, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, the, uh, so many things have changed for women And I was lucky to be right at the forefront of when it all happened. And, uh, and I could look backwards at what I knew of my family history and then look forward. And I look forward to what your generation will be going through. And I know it's going to be a challenge because people are questioning this whole thing and trying to change it and go backwards. I hope that doesn't happen. I'm 100% on the same page with you, Momor. I think that um, we can never go back. We always have to keep going forward and um, completely agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good. All right. Um, My next question that I have for you is, have you ever felt empowered to speak up on a women's rights issue? Well, not outwardly. I feel that the life I've lived is a statement for women's rights. I think I'm a good example of someone who has been pro-women and pro-active uh, by example. I would say that's been my platform. I've tried to live a good life and to try to set a good example for people. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm just lucky to have you, Momor, because um, not all grandmas are like this. And I just think that um, you being so supportive in my life and being the person that you are and um, the life that you've lived, I've just um, hit like the grandma jackpot, if you know what I mean. Um, wow. So I don't know. I'm just very lucky. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, sweetie, it's a mutual feeling here. Aww. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I never say I have a favorite grandchild, but just today for this show, you, you can fit the bill pretty well. <laughs> just on January Jones sharing success stories, obviously, yeah. today. Absolutely. Wonderful. And speaking of uh, priceless personalities, which Mia certainly is today, I'd like to share with you two of my books. Uh, They are priceless personalities who have all been guests on this show. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems? People who have struggled to find solutions? People who fearlessly shared their stories. 
people who have not only informed you, but inspired you. People who have priceless personalities. I have been fortunate to host an internet radio talk show called January Jones Sharing Success Stories. And it has been my privilege to interview hundreds of guests. My guests have shared their stories, their struggles, their secrets, and their successes in their own words. In this book, we're talking about people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, runaway kids, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, and starting over. Then there are my guests dealing with difficult physical struggles such as blindness, cancer, and birth defects that are beyond traumatic. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They have amazed, amused, and even astonished me. I have adored getting to meet them, and I adore sharing them with you. Attention all listeners, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, Volume 2 is now available at Amazon.com in paperback and Kindle editions. You'll be able to meet 10 amazing people who will be sharing their own personal stories with all their struggles, successes, and solutions sprinkled with lots of humor and hope. Priceless Personalities features a teenager who becomes one of the famous Supremes from Motown, a nurse who has a humorist helps people to heal, an inspiring laughter yoga instructor, a mother dealing with the loss of a child, an incredible motivational speaker, a woman who married five times, a gifted paranormal nurse, a wise economist, a funny female humorist, along with an older man sharing his sweet childhood in the deep south. January's guests are all amazing and amusing. You will never forget meeting them. Go to Amazon.com for your own priceless experience. Welcome back with one of my favorite priceless personalities, my granddaughter. Also, I want to share with our uh, 